Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Growing up, I had this cousin that was about my age, um, but he was smaller. Uh, But what he lacked in stature, he made up for it with his mouth. In fact, I remember this time, we were about seven or eight years old. We were at this community center, and there was this kid who was not just bigger than him, but actually bigger than me, and, and uh, for whatever reason, my cousin mouthed off at him. And in retaliation, in response to my cousin, he tackled him to the ground. He started, he started pounding his face. Now, me and a couple other uh, of my friends that were there, we, we tried to get in there to, to stop this, but if you can believe this, the, the father of this kid would not allow us, kept pushing us back so that his son could keep pounding my cousin in the face. Now, eventually the dad says, okay, that's enough, and, and picked up his son, and he left, and uh, my, my cousin was uh, bloodied and uh, you know, as we're going to the bathroom to kind of clean up his, his wounds, I remember for the first time feeling this very intense desire to retaliate. In fact, as the days would go on, I would, think, I would think about daydream, really, about what I would do when I saw this kid. How would I respond and, and what, what could I do to get back at this? In fact, even now talking about it, sometimes it makes my blood boil thinking about really the, not just the injustice of this kid, but the injustice of this dad. And when's the last time you've been tempted to retaliate? Because we all are there. We all feel this from time to time. Maybe it's when you're caught in traffic uh, or maybe someone cut you off in traffic, I should say, and you've, you felt this desire to retaliate. You felt this desire to get back. You felt this desire to let them know, honk your horn, do something. Uh, maybe someone uh, did a post that you didn't appreciate and you just felt like you had a comment to set things straight. Maybe you were hurt by a spouse. Maybe you were hurt by a friend. Maybe you were hurt by a group of people or an ideology and you felt this intense desire to get back to retaliate. And there was mistreatment and that's true. We are mistreated and we want things to be right and we want things to be just. So we retaliate. Now here's the problem with retaliation that while we have in it this desire for fairness and justice, it always escalates. It becomes road rage. It becomes divorce. It becomes war. It becomes murder. And in our desire for justice, we are prone to overreact with hate. And that's why the law of Moses, like we read here in our passage today, was eye for an eye. And if you go on and go back into when uh, in the Old Testament, it's eye for an eye, it's tooth for a tooth, it's stripe for stripe, it's fracture for fracture. And this was not a command. This isn't a way of like uh, saying this had to happen, but it was actually a way of limiting damage because in this culture, just like ours, we are prone to overreact with hate. So it's, it's, it was a concession. In other words, not a command. Like last week, divorce. Divorce was not God's intent. It was not God's heart, but he wrote it into the law as a concession to promote harmony and to limit the damage that could happen. And what's being said here in an eye for an eye is we need to limit 
the retaliation. Don't take more than an eye. Don't take more than a tooth because the truth is both then and now. We love the counterpunch. When we get punched, we love the counterpunch. We are waiting for the counterpunch. We are leaning into the counterpunch, whether that be literally or uh, metaphorically, whether that be in the news media, whether it be on our social media. We live in an eye for an eye world and we are at serious risk of becoming blind. Jesus steps onto the scene. He challenges this cultural script, not by saying, hey, let's get rid of the idea of justice. Let's get rid of the idea of fairness, but he deepens it. He goes past fairness. He goes past getting even all the way to love and mercy. And that's what he does. We're in the section where he is not deleting commandments. He, He said quite Plainly, I've not come to abolish the law. It's all there. It's all good. Even the smallest command, the smallest iota, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. He's not here to delete commandments. He is here to deepen them. So he said, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. I'm going deeper to to anger. We're going to deal with anger. Uh, You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. We're going deeper. We're going to getting rid of the lust. And... um, it's not just even about getting rid of injustice in here. He's like, look, we're, we're, not, we're getting past that. We're going past that. It's not about the injustice that's done to you, but it's about the injustice in you and around you and through you. Jesus is saying in this section, yes, evil has been done to you. Evil has been done to you. But if you live in an eye for an eye world, if you live in a world that is simply trying to make things right, trying to make things fair, you will become the evil that you're trying to to resist. You'll become the evil that you're trying to resist, the cycle of injustice. In fact, German theologian Adolf Schattler said this, in every holy zeal for justice, there arises an endless quarrel. This zeal is an ever-renewing fountain of injustice. And rather than bringing an end to injustice, it simply continues it. And Jesus wants to bring an end to it. The law said, pursue justice, but don't overact in anger. Jesus says, pursue mercy, pursue mercy, but do overreact with love. And he brings up four different situations to kind of illustrate this. He talks about a slap, being sued for the shirt off your back, being forced to walk a mile, and someone borrowing money from you. And they all have in it when someone does something that's unjust to you. Uh, The first scenario is being slapped, which isn't particularly damaging or painful, but it's humiliating and it's embarrassing. And when I was was a teenager, a group of us were at a friend's house and this friend disrespected the mother and the mother slapped this kid and we didn't say a thing because we're, I mean, we typically, we would kind of razz each other, but we, this, he was humiliated Even as 13-year-old boys, we could see that adding any further insult would be cruel. And being slapped is this concept of being full of shame. It's being being unjustly put down. And and it would happen not from equals, but it would happen from a superior to an inferior. And Jesus says that when this happens to you, don't just let them hit you on the right cheek, hit them on the left cheek as well. And then if someone comes and wants to take the shirt off your back, uh, the cloak, your outer cloak. And if you were poor, that, that would have been like not just your outer coat, your outer wear, it would have been 
what you would have used to, to sleep on if you didn't. And so if someone comes and takes that, go ahead and give him the, the, the inner wear, the, 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 the underwear that was against your skin. Give him that as well. And then, and then the last example, or the third example, I should say, not the last one, is being forced to walk a mile. And in this one, Romans were in the ruling power at the time, and they had their foot on the neck of the Jews, and the Jews hated it. In fact, you know, we've talked about this in the series. There's a group of zealots that wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans, and Jesus is like, that's not what I've come to do. I've come to uh, not conquer the Romans. I've come to conquer you, and this is what my kingdom, this is what my rulership is like. But anyway, uh, it was law that a Roman soldier could come and ask anyone to come and carry their gear, but they could only ask him to do it for one mile. Jesus says if, if this Roman soldier uses his power, uses what, uh, this authority to lord over you, and he asks you to walk a mile, don't resist it like you want to. In fact, do this. Don't just walk the one mile, walk the two. And then the last situation um, is about someone who's begging, someone who is asking you to borrow money, who's not a good bet. This isn't like the friend who has a good job, who's responsible, has a good reputation. He's saying you need to borrow, loan this money, not only at 0% interest, by the way, but you need to loan it even though they're not a good bet. In fact, there's probably pain here. And there's something else going on in here that I think is particularly helpful because in all these scenarios, wrong has been done. There's an injustice. This person is wrong to ask this money from you. It's not right. Uh, this soldier, what he did was not right. This person suing you is not right. And this person who slapped you isn't right. Three of the scenarios have to do with a superior to um, an inferior so the slapping, the slapping on the right shoulder. I'm going to use this pig as an illustration, and he's really cute, and I'm going to have to slap him. And so I'm going to give him uh, a name like Judas or Tom Brady or someone that no one likes. Just, let's call him Judas. Uh, but if I was to, he didn't just say slap a cheek, you know, one cheek and then two cheeks. He says if someone slaps you on the right cheek. And so to slap on the right cheek, I, I have two choices. I can slap with my left hand, but let me just tell you, in first century Palestine, no one, no self-respecting person would ever slap anyone with their left hand. In fact, they wouldn't even bring their left hand much above their waist because the left hand was considered unclean for many reasons, including the fact that they didn't have toilet paper. And I'll just leave it at that. So no one would ever slap with the left hand. So the only way to slap in the right cheek is, is to slap this way, which would have been uh, something a superior would do to inferior. So when he says someone slaps you on the right cheek, what he's talking about is someone who has authority over you and is treating you as such, who is belittling you and is using their power against you. He says when they slap you on that cheek, when a superior slaps you on that cheek, give them your left cheek as well. Now this has a couple things. One is you're not retaliating. You're not giving into that desire to get even. You're not harboring hate, but you're actually cultivating a merciful, a generous response, a act of love toward the person who's hurting you. 
But not only that, but you're turning the table. So if you're going to offer him your left cheek, again, not going to use the left hand, but in order to hit him on the right cheek, he would have to, a man anyway, would close his fist and hit on the left cheek. Now, if he's going to do that, he is saying, you and I are equal. And in that moment, thank you, Judas the pig. And in that moment, what would have happened is that every, he would have come to a realization of He would have seen the humility. He would have seen what's going on and he would have walked away and everyone would have witnessed this. Same thing with the outer coat and the inner coat. Someone's suing you. They're in the superior position. They take your outer cloak. You say, hey, this doesn't matter to me. Take my inner one as well. Again, they would have been um, shocked by the love, the compassion toward the person. And then the last one, the Roman soldier asking uh, to take a mile. They, were, they couldn't take more than a mile. So the first mile you had to walk. I mean, if you didn't walk the mile, you would have been thrown in prison or flogged or something worse. Something bad would have happened to you. And in that first mile, instead of being like full of like resentment and retaliation, and this isn't fair and this is abusive, You say, okay, at mile two, okay, the first one I had to walk, the second one I am doing out of my own free choice, out of love and compassion to show the soldier that you do not own me, but I am not controlled by that vengeance. I'm not controlled by my retaliation. I'm not controlled by my anger. I am controlled by the love of God. And in showing that mercy, every, he would have seen, I mean, can you imagine what that second mile would have been like? As a soldier is this person out of, they don't have to walk this mile. They're just walking the mile, the second. That would have maybe done something, don't you think, to the heart of that soldier? But even if it didn't, it might've done something to everyone watching. Now, the fourth scenario is about you are in the superior position. This person's begging, you're not. This person doesn't have money, but you do. And it's unjust that they're asking. Again, this is not the person who could pay you back. This is the person who can't pay you back. This is a cousin that you've already loaned money to and they've not paid you back. And now they're asking it for again. They are, the, they are unjustly asking money from you. What do you do in that scenario? It's not resentment, it's not retaliation. It's kindness, it's love. It's mercy. Now, just as a, uh, as a footnote to this, um, this is not, uh, this is, if you are in a, an abusive situation, a physically abusive situation, I mean, domestic violence is an unfortunate reality of our culture. It's not saying you should stay in this situation. In fact, if you're in that situation, you should get out of that situation. You should call this number that's coming on your screen right now, a hotline, or you, and or you should call the elders and we wanna help. Uh, You should get out of that situation. That's not what's going on here. But it's saying that in these places where justice, injustice is being done to us, we don't respond with retaliation to make things right. We respond with love and mercy to make things right, to bring about justice. Charles Spurgeon said, we are the anvils when bad men are the hammers now, how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to pull this off? And where, this, where, this, where is this all going? Well, one of the things that we are being told here in the Sermon on the Mount, that the way to live this way is impossible. 
Jesus is saying, it's impossible for you to be this way. In verse 48, he says, just be perfect as my father is perfect. And of course that's impossible, but through Jesus, all things are possible. So let's look at this uh, really quick in, in verse 43. So he says, I want you to love your neighbor. Or so, excuse me, he says, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So again, deepening them. And again, he's not saying do this in an abstract way, but he's giving us very specific examples. And all four of these scenarios would have happened to, to his audience. And so he says to love them, love them not generally, but love them specifically. Verse 45, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Now, again, he's not saying so that this is how we become sons, is, is that we become sons by doing the right thing. He's saying so that you would be in the likeness of your father and in the likeness. And, and God is a God of mercy, that he responds to sinful, unjust, unloving, unfaithful, rebellious people with endless love and mercy. Lamentation says, for his mercies are new every morning. When you wear out his mercy, you can't wear out his mercy because they are new every morning. When you wake up tomorrow, he has fresh mercy for every single person. In fact, he says, this is the characteristic of God's love and mercy. He gives an illustration. It says, for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. The sun goes up and it just shines, whether you're good or bad, whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're you know, pro-life, pro-choice, gay, straight, whatever it is, the sun just shines and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. He just shows mercy and shows kindness to everyone. He loves everyone. And for us to be sons, to reflect, to image our father, we walk in that love. Jesus walked in that love. For, uh, for, for greater love hath no man than a man who lays down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. So we, he wants us to love. Diedrich Bonhoeffer says, our behavior must not be determined by the way others treat us. Our behavior, our response to the world is not how the world treats us. Our response to our spouse is not how our spouse treats us. Our response to our friends are not how our friends treat us. Our response to our enemies. Who's your enemy? Anybody you want to counterpunch. Our response to them is not how we, excuse me, it's not how other people treat us, but by the treatment we receive from Jesus. We treat others how Jesus treats us. That's how we are sons. We so Jesus treats us this way, we treat them that way. So how does Jesus treat us? With unlimited mercy and love. Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. I mean, I, that's true in this passage. This is a disturbing, challenging passage. So here's, here's two things that have to be true of you if you're gonna live like this. Number one, you're gonna have to be rich in love. God wants you to be rich in love. If I had $100 and someone stole that $100 from me, that was my last $100, uh, that would be scary. That would hurt. I mean, how would I feed my family? How would I pay the heating bill? How would I, if that was my last $100? But if, if I was a billionaire and someone stole $100 from me, it, I may not even notice it, but if I did notice it, I probably wouldn't care. God wants you to be a billionaire in love. 
God wants you to be rich in love. God wants you to have love and love to spare so that when someone takes from you, you have a reservoir of love to respond to them, to walk the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to give them your cloak, to give them the money because you are trusting in what God has provided. And brothers and sisters, we must be those who are rich in love. Like Jude, Jude said this to us. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Paul, the apostle to the Ephesians, the, the, the church in, in Ephesus was under pressure. They were under attack. Paul himself being in prison, being tortured and in a difficult situation. And he prayed, he says, I get on my knees and pray, not that I would have a better outer life, but that I would have a stronger inner life. Not that you would have a better outer life, but that, you, that the situation would change, that the person would change, uh, that my job would change, that she would change, that he would change, that they would change, and the world would be different. And Fill in the blank. Here's what you need to do to move out in strength. You don't need your outside world to change. You need your inside world to change. Specifically, you need to know the full dimension, the height, the width, the depth, the length of the love of God. And with the knowledge of that God that comes to us, that's poured out in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine. We would be able to, in the face of injustice to us, walk the extra mile, turn the other cheek, loan the money, give away our cloak as well, give him our shirt as well. God wants you to be rich in love. God, but you also need to know that, that you'll be vindicated. You'll be vindicated for living this way. And that's one of the things is, it's like, ah, oh, they're gonna get away with it. No one gets away with anything. You see, Jesus willingly went to the cross. He walked through all these steps. He was struck in the face. His beard was pulled out. He was, a crown of thorns was pressed upon him. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't retaliate. He says, no one takes my life. I willingly give it down. I willingly walk the extra mile. I willingly turn the other cheek. I willingly get crucified to Roman cross. And this, and this hatred that's coming toward me, this injustice that's coming toward me, I wanna to respond to the injustice with love. You know why he was able to do that? Because the father would vindicate the son by raising him up on the third day. And that's the resurrection. How's the resurrection relevant to your life? It's relevant for you in order, order to love that way. You need to know that God will vindicate you. You need to know that God will make all things new, that God will wipe away every tear. He'll get rid of disease, death, racism, injustice. He's taking care of it all. But in the meantime, according to Romans 12, we do not repay evil with evil. We don't repay uh, injustice with vengeance. But we love, but we love. So how do we respond? We need the gospel. We need to know that while we were sinners, not while they were sinners, while we were sinners, Christ died for us, keeping ourselves in the love of God, becoming a love philanthropist, right? So economically, you can give money away if you're, a lot of money's coming in. You can give love away if a lot of love is coming in. You need love coming in. Not from a person, not from a situation, not from the world, not from yourself, but from God, the eternal source. God is love. God is the source from which love comes from. You need to be tapped in. Keep yourselves beloved and the love of God. Receive today the love of God and keep 
on receiving. Keep on receiving. Engage in Christian community. Engage. And all the reasons why you think you can't is exactly the reason why you should and you must. Too busy. I don't have enough time. I don't. Those are all like, those are all reasons why you should do that. Um, it's a way of loving other people that you maybe don't otherwise want to love, to give of yourself, to extend yourself. And the temptation is if I give and I don't have, then how am I supposed to do that? Well, that's why you have to be receiving his love. And that's a moment, brothers and sisters, when you feel like I can't love that person. They annoy me. They, they bother me. I don't have the time. It, it's not my cup of tea. All those things that come into play when it talks about engaging people, engaging community, loving them, those are all places where you need to realize that there is a, that you, have a, that you are running low on receiving love. It's not a place of condemnation. It's not a place of saying like, oh, I'm going to try harder and do better. It's a place of receiving. It's a place to say, God, man, I'm, I am low on love. I am low on love. Don't respond out of that lack of love. If you will, you'll be a part of the problem and not a part of the solution, but engage it and ask God for it. So that's how we're going to end. We're going to sing. We're going to go to worship here in a second. I just want to pray that we would receive the love of God from above, the eternal source poured into our hearts by the power of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the love that you have for us, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. If you have not yet received the free gift of righteousness that Jesus has given you on the cross, that he paid the price for your sin and he wants to give you the free gift of righteousness. He wants to pour an eternal source of love in your heart. If you've never received that, today is your day. And what it means is you turn from yourself, you say, I don't have it in me. In and of myself, I, I, I try, I do my best, but I fall short. It's to admit that you fall short and to receive what he has for you. If that's you, just, just right now, just say, God, I receive. Lord Jesus, I just pray for my brothers and sisters who are turning to you for the first time. Lord God, I pray that you would um, send your spirit as you promised to seal over their heart the love that you have for them. And I pray for all of us. God, I pray right now as my brothers and sisters are watching this in their living room, in their kitchen, in their car, or wherever they're at. Lord God, I pray that your spirit would fall upon them and they would know your love. So as they move out into Monday and into Tuesday and the Wednesday and people are unjust toward them, Lord, that we would in return, in return, respond with love and kindness and mercy. Amen.